Welcome back to episode 80 of the Blockrunner podcast. Here is where we discuss the latest developments in cryptocurrency while we make this new technology relatable to you. You can watch this podcast on our YouTube channel to follow along with our discussion. As always, I'm your host, William, talking with your co-host, Iman, and here are some of the topics we discuss today. First up, how DeFi will lead the next bull run. Next, what metrics do we use to evaluate DeFi projects? Then, why Uniswap is a catalyst for the next major returns. And finally, we get into Polkadot ecosystem. All right, let's listen in. with you this fine morning yeah we're 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 awake early this time uh, yeah for, for lots of reasons but but today we really wanted to focus on the DeFi ecosystem and and i remember a few months ago i don't know if it was before decentraland's launch or what? after but we of what what but we mentioned that DeFi is going to be the next craze in this uh this bull run and I th- it has to be before because I, i'm like Maybe not. Maybe around the same time, because we got into Decentraland like I don't know, like July of last year, right? Yeah, that's when we found out about it, or something like that's that. That's true. Yeah, that's that's a good point because we were talking about Dai and making you know fifteen percent interest on Dai, and like that was going to be our exit strategy. And, that's uh, right. And now like Dai is like at point one percent. Yeah, that was like exciting as fuck at the time. I guess I, I guess because it was like a new thing, new. New tech. sector, yeah, a new sector emerging, a new use case, right? Yeah. And I guess at the time, like everybody, ourselves included, was looking for any kind of like positive news because Dell's like during the heart of beardom, you know, like the worst <laughs> despair you could possibly think of. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> peak, peak of the bear market. So, yeah. yeah, then that's when we started. I mean, the the topic of discussion back then is okay. How the fuck are we gonna get out of this negative sentiment yeah. zone? So then we start speculating what's going to drive the next boom. So we had to reference 2017. What drove that boom? ICOs. I, ICOs. I think back then you were saying it was just like the natural cadence of like Bitcoin. Yeah, for sure. I think that's, that's definitely part of it. That's part but, of it. But the real boom happened because of Ethereum and its ICO cycle, right? I, I think uh, I think Bitcoin has to has to go through that cycle in order to fund fund all these <laughs> things, right? I mean, really, that's what's yeah, happening. Yeah, Bitcoin's like an entry into like the market, literally, for a lot of people. Yeah. Just because it's like, yeah, it's like the gateway drug into the crypto world, right? Like, it's easier to understand for most people than any other crypto. I mean, yeah, because it's, it's simple. simple dude. Yeah. yeah. It's simple. And it's literally listed everywhere. Everything's pretty much pegged to it. So it's like, it's the gateway. So if, if Bitcoin doesn't move, everything Nothing. else is fucked. Yeah. And I Agreed. think it's going to stay that way. But at the time, yeah. we were looking at Dai, and we were saying that this has to be the next uh, bull run, like the the catalyst for that bull run. You know, obviously including Bitcoin. But uh, we also mentioned that we we were sort of skeptical on that claim because there was no speculative asset to these DeFi yeah, exactly. technologies. Yeah, well, like because we knew what what drew drove the mania was pure speculation. Like meaning, like you can actively participate not not in the sense that you could stake your money in into some kind of protocol and get these like nice five six percent returns right yeah 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 that's not gonna drive any mania dude nobody gives a shit about that that's like, right i mean like let's be real the 20 percent do care though huh the 20%, yeah 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 but but to generate a mania phase no i agree but agreed 
but little we didn't know at the time I, I don't know why i didn't think they would actually do this but we didn't know that these platforms like compound and uh whatever else was around at the time we're gonna actually come out with your own tokens yeah and how, <laughs> how foolish it was to like not predict that dude yeah literally all they did is just like they just their governance tokens right it's, yeah. it's a way for their Staking community to get in, yeah. and governing yeah uh, well, what's interesting is that a bunch of these DeFi tokens are coming out within the last month or two. Yeah, like, I think so. Most of I them think, are brand new. I think new. a lot, of, a lot of that has to be attributed to Uniswap for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's the real catalyst for this whole DeFi boom we're seeing. Yeah, because it's 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 introducing <clears throat> crypto assets into the market like at a almost like a pre-sale stage level, meaning like they're, they're, most of these projects they don't have like. Um, I mean, they're not. They don't have the platforms of Binance for an IEO or or the resources to do uh, an official ICO because an ICO takes a ton of money to do. Yeah, you have exactly. to go through all the regulatory aspects and, and then marketing, which is the most expensive thing. Yeah, and in that sense, like by the time you got on Binance, you know, the, the tokens already like so overvalued based on like pre-sale rounds and That's stuff right. like that. Yeah, by the time it got to Binance, it's already thirty x. For the uh, yeah. initial so investor, usually, yeah, usually it would just dump and as then soon it as dumps. they got on the Binance. Yeah. yeah, so we're seeing the reverse of that. Like as soon as things get on the Uniswap, they're just fucking taking off. It's insane. It's yeah. insanity right now. Yeah. So we can't help but take notice of that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, for all you regular listeners of our podcast and what we always talk about, yeah, for like the last year, we've been like really focused and honing on the NFT space. Yeah, NFT, Decentraland. I mean, this is this metaverse. is our roots. I mean, I personally like to talk. I'm the 20% guy. I like the tech. I like the fact that we're eroding the existing financial system with mm. cryptocurrencies. That's that's my thing. That's my jam. Yeah. Uh, but but again, what moves the 20% is the 80%, which is like speculation and mania, and mm-hmm. you know, making 100x. Like for example, yeah. Sora XOR. Uh, I think in June it was like at a dollar. And then just a few weeks ago, it was at $130. Yeah. So uh, over 100x return in a month. Uh, yeah, and they're not alone. There was a bunch of projects that had explosive growth like that. And again, I think it's attributed to Uniswap. I, I mean, I'm still exploring this whole sector, but it's like I, I have 2017 vibes all over again, dude. Meaning like it's like endless, you know, yeah. you could spend all day doing your due diligence on these projects. Yeah. But yeah. by the time you're finished, there's like 10 new ones that rolled out. <laughs> and it's like, fuck. It's yeah. like impossible to keep up, you know. It is. It is not not impossible, but it's tough. You know, yeah. it's almost like you need like a team. Like it's like assign these fucks, yeah, three or four tokens a day. Assign him. So <clears throat> obviously, this is not investment advice, but I man, I gotta ask. I mean, you were you you made a good amount of uh, money in 2017 because of your investments. Yeah. Like what what sort of like what are the criteria that you look at in order to make the decision to invest? Well, obviously, <clears throat> back then, because I came in around the summer of 2017, so I noticed a couple of things. Like I noticed, or I, I felt like I missed the boat on Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. So I never once even thought about investing in Bitcoin. I only bought it, like I said, to onboard myself into the crypto ecosystem. Mm-hmm. I always had the thought in my head, like. Why buy Bitcoin? There's like a thousand other coins that I got to find that next Bitcoin, that next, you know, potential hundred to thousand next project, you know? Yeah. So I was always in the altcoin space. And then, so naturally I look at Ethereum next 
but by that time ethereum was already like a thousand x or more you know so like i missed the boat on that one too it was like fuck yeah you know so you just go down the list <clears throat> but then I, I instantly noticed something like the the most successful projects at that time were like these platform tokens so that was at the time that was my strategy just looking for any new platform project that was designed to solve the issues of ethereum so at the time that meant like things like eos neo, Cardano, neo uh the china anything. china ethereum yeah because everyone was trying to catch ether and dude we're seeing this exact same thing again because what what, what drove this market like what mooned before anything else currently like oh uh i guess the the platform that's supposed to um append no. ethereum no chain link is what i'm talking about oh, like, okay yeah chain link now <clears throat> yeah but it took three years right so did ether i mean ether started in 2014 it didn't really start popping off to like late 2016 early because, 2017. Of the, because of the ico yeah but the point is like th that's kind of like what catalyzed the market's energy like it brought it revitalized the market oh i like, see i see what you're saying yeah like chain link i think is kind of like um leading this whole DeFi charge you know what i mean yeah yeah the oracle token the oracle token i mean we already seen like i don't want to know i don't want to call i'm gonna call them copycat projects yeah <laughs> because absolutely. they're all yeah they're oracles yeah you know i don't but know there's different the flavors of oracles like oracles yeah. that require a centralized partner right but, sure. but then there's oracles that are completely decentralized exactly but you're gonna expect that right you're gonna expect after something like Chainlink did whatever it did, 100 plus X over a course of two years. Now it's like a top 10 token. Everybody knows what it is. It's a household name. <laughs> so you're going to expect a lot of like, you know, copycat projects to claim like they're the next Chainlink. Just like. See, but it, it goes back to uh, what's your criteria for investment? Like if you're, if you're a copycat, why would, why would you and I invest <laughs> in that? Right. So that's why. There has, there has to be some type of either like. Traction. Serious fundamental improvement. Um, yeah. But that requires a ton of research. That that requires like yeah, it does twenty percent knowledge and interest in the tech. You have um, to really understand like what the flaws are of of like. And I did. I, I did a lot of. I mean, I'm not a technical person, but I did as much as I could. It's pretty obvious to figure out what the problem with Ethereum is. Like it's it's scalability. Yeah. You know, it's a scaling issue, and that's so. Then naturally, when I see all these other projects like claiming that they have this scaling issue solved quote quote those are things you want to like pay attention to right and then you kind of like do your due diligence to to figure out like which one you think is the best out of all of them well but, but to be honest you could have picked any one of them and you would have done fine yeah you know back yeah. then but I, I guess what i'm trying to get you to to like define is what what's the what's the trigger for you to make an investment and what is not worthy of an investment well, well, because you're saying right now, well, like in a bull run, pretty much any investment is going to do do good enough. Yeah, like towards whenever this market hits like straight manic, like I, you can't, you could not have missed like anything within the crypto crypto ecosystem. Just go open Coin Market Cap right now and look at all the charts from 2017 to 2018. They're yeah. all exact identical. Yeah, they're all bubbles. Every single token was a bubble. It went through the same exact pattern, you know, but. The problem is, if you didn't make money back then, the, pro the problem is you you were just trading too much. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you you were trying to catch that that short term bubble. You know, that this week bubble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you probably caught. You probably bought tops. You were chasing FOMO and shit like that. So you probably lost a lot of money. So all you had to really do is just buy and hold through that whole cycle. 
now you know that because yeah because yeah yeah. experience but but if 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 what you're if you're looking for like the truth this is just like it's all hype you know yeah like that's what i look for like what what project could potentially generate the most hype so you look for like buzzwords within these projects um like substrate Is that a buzzword? I, 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 mean, I don't it, know, but it's starting to be like I'm starting to see it way more often now than yeah. Well, because it's like a new thing. See, th- that's different though. This is I don't think that's buzz. That's like an actual new like tech, concept. Yeah, yeah. That's like something. That's like the identity equivalent of like reading about Ethereum in 2014, their white paper, and seeing like what's a smart contract. Mm. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a technological innovation. Yeah. That now projects can utilize and like, you know, produce some type of product, you know, which is exactly what we're starting to see in Polkadot, which yeah. is why that's why we're like fucking we're in, dude. I'm in. Yeah. I know you're in, too. Yeah, because, we're definitely in. <laughs> yeah, I like I understand that's what drives booms like these call them like Cambrian explosion events like these substrate blockchains and projects and shit, dude, you're going to see thousands of them. Yeah. Emerge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gonna be insane. <laughs> There's already 200 of them, and Polkadot hasn't even launched yet. That's crazy. Yeah, that's, and like, think about it. That's 200, like... 200 different teams working on their own flavor of a blockchain. That means like Substrate must be so simple to use and like integrate into your project. Like. If there's already that many. Well, so Substrate. So let, let's talk about what is Substrate. Okay. Um, so think of it as being like an express or another web application framework. Uh, but it's it's used to not ha- for if you build a blockchain, like it would be it would you would have to like do the equivalent of creating the HTTP um, protocol. And then you would have to secure that network. And so Substrate just has all of that built in for you just so that you can focus on what your blockchain is about. So if your blockchain is about doing a currency, like being able to buy coffee, then if you build that blockchain on using Substrate, you don't have to worry about the security. You don't have to worry about the uh, the communication between different blockchains. Like all that stuff is already built in and given to you as a framework using Substrate. Mm. And so a lot of these blockchains, these new blockchains, these new DeFi tokens are using Substrate so that it can connect to this this hub, this Polkadot network where yeah. there's parachains. And now you can now your blockchain can, can, can communicate with other blockchains. So within the ecosystem, right? Yeah, within the ecosystem. Yeah. And so that's that's what Substrate is, and that's why it's so important. But if you go look at uh, PokaProject.com, it has two hundred, roughly two hundred projects, and sixty of them are Substrate based. <laughs> yeah, and, man. So so what does that mean? Like, uh... so it just means that for these particular projects, they depend on interchain communication, or they're leveraging an existing protocol or an existing framework for security, or um, or any of these like base layer technologies that you would expect in a blockchain. Yeah, well, basically they're betting on this Polkadot ecosystem to fulfill all of the needs you know a, a DAP would want, right? Like we're currently, if you're building on Ethereum, which we are, you're you're encountering catastrophic issues that are you know right. deal breakers essentially. That's right. You know, if you don't know, we have a DAP in the process that has generated cells and. That sales activity is grinded to a halt because, I mean, people don't want to deal with these uh, massive transactions, right? And especially if you're building a game, right, yeah. where there's free, high frequency transactions happening within this game. Yeah. 
it's not possible. So let me give you an example of if you're building a blockchain, uh, you have to inherently build in some consensus algorithm in order for your blockchain to work, right? If it's going to be completely decentralized, you have to build some consensus algorithm for that. So with Substrate, you don't have to do that. It's it's built into the framework. And, um, and then networking is built into the framework. And uh, the efficient deterministic WebAssembly runtime, all, all that, the development code, the, the platform for all that, it's already built in. Mm-hmm. And so, again, it, it just helps you build that blockchain that you want. That specific use case that you're building that blockchain for, well, all this other stuff is already inherent into what you're, what you're building on top of. Mm-hmm. So, and then... So the main reason why a lot of these companies are using Substrate is because it integrates, um, it, it integrates directly to Polkadot. So as soon as Polkadot is released, your blockchain is running a parachain, which is a parallel chain that can communicate with the entire Polkadot network. And so what's interesting about Polkadot is that Gavin Wood, who co-founded Ethereum, is building Polkadot and has been he's been building it for like three years now. And yeah, they're barely about to launch the project, which is, which is good for, from an investment standpoint or a speculation standpoint. Yeah. Like you like to see projects prioritize, you know, the tech before any kind of like mass marketing priority, you know? Yeah. Because the alternative is some company who's, who's really pushing these uh, buzzwords and not building anything. And they're just banking on people investing in their coins so they can just pull the rug off out, out of everybody. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, I mean that that contributed to a lot of uh, the stigma of this space. Like, <clears throat> just people were getting rich too quick, you know, with the ICO model projects. You know, yeah, they had all these grand visions, but as soon as you give them fifty million dollars, all of a sudden their incentive to really deliver just goes down the tube. Yeah, because they already got the money. Like, you, you know, they didn't sign a contract where they had to deliver you anything. It's yeah, just kind of like you know. So that's why the ICO model is not <laughs> yeah. keen, you know? I mean, all the more reason to invest in the right projects. Like, like for example, Polkadot, I mean, Gavin's done it once with Vitalik, right? And so yeah. if he builds something else, you would imagine that it's better than his previous project just because he's got more experience, more knowledge. Yeah, you would think so. I mean, you would think like, <clears throat> like Vitalik probably would do something along like i'm sure he knows like he could have done the same thing uh but he can't just abandon ethereum like that you know like he has an obligation to correct whatever errors they have i mean but i mean plus it's it's got to be a a bitch to kind of like even attempt to generate that kind of network effect that ethereum has Mm -hmm. you know so oh for sure yeah yeah. but then uh, but you look at Chainlink, it went from you know, being dust to being top five. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it could happen. So, and, and Chainlink is, is just an Oracle. So that's a fancy word of saying a, 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 an established method to supply a smart contract with information. But see what Chainlink was another first mover though. They were like the yeah. first of its kind. Yeah. It's always these first movers that, you know, so that's, something you want to identify then is like if you're looking for attributes and what what to invest in yeah like something with like a like a first mover advantage you know it's usually 
See, promising. And, but to do that, you'd have to do a ton of research and like, because because if you if you don't know anything about smart contracts or how they work, how are you going to identify the fact that smart contracts need a source of information where you don't have to trust where that source came from? Mm-hmm. Like how how do you know inherently that's what's needed unless you're working with smart contracts directly? Yeah, that's right. So it's it's tough to 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 look at Chainlink and be like, oh oh shit, this is actually needed. Yeah, that's where like the people who actually understand the tech have the advantage, right? Yeah, and and, and we're able to see this uh, from a different perspective because we are actually building smart contracts, and we're realizing that a lot of the information that we're putting into smart contracts are come are, are from our own perspective mm-hmm. versus a decentralized perspective, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so we're we're seeing directly the need for an oracle for some of the stuff that we're doing now. Is it hypercritical? Are we like managing people's DeFi tokens? Like no. So it's it's not it's not hypercritical for us to use Chainlink, but we see why it's needed. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. When you're actually building something and you know actually using this technology, you're gonna notice the flaws in it and in some cases like we're always doing that ourselves we're like man if only such and such existed yeah. <laughs> you know like this would be a lot smoother and then we find out like well it is being built by yeah. some team out there yeah know? and then we got to figure out whether it's like a scam team or not or <laughs> a scam token exactly. or whatever <clears throat> yeah oh, things you know that's how things come about you know people just they experiment with uh, these primitive ecosystems, and they, they discover these flaws, and then they try and fix them. And that's it. It's yeah. That's how it, that's, it's as simple as that, you know. Yeah. But but like you said, so yeah, the first movers are usually the ones who you know are truly like the innovators, and they're they're the ones who really tried to solve the problem first, you know. So that's why they tend to be projects with you know more longevity, I guess, because they're like they're genuine. Yeah, they're genuine. They're- they're the twenty yeah. percent guys, like actually building like tools and useful technologies. Yeah, yeah. Usually the ones that follow that that first mover, they're they're not so much. Yeah. They're more like the capitalists of the ecosystem. Like they're they're trying to yeah to they capitalize. That, yeah, they're trying to ride that wave yeah. that that first mover created. You know, that's right. So yeah, you're right. So I mean, it's not like it's not like the first movers are out there with a sign like we're the first mover. Right. Right. <laughs> You have to actually understand that um, these technical flaws and all these, you know. You know, that to, to outline some parallels, I mean, it wasn't until Corv made the Block Runner game and deployed on Decentraland that he realized that there's a lot of holes and flaws in a landowner deploying anything in Decentraland. Mm-hmm. And that's why he made Metazone to make it easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of yeah. these, so I'm sure the guy who made Chainlink and you know, kudos to him. He was, I'm sure he had a ton of experience making smart contracts and he realized, you know what? There probably needs to be a decentralized way to supply information to these smart contracts. Yeah. And Chainlink happened. Yeah. There you go. And like, yeah, you could, I mean, if you're just like a speculator, like if you listen to me, like, and just ignored any kind of, you know, following act, that would have been stupid because there's what's, what's out there now. It's called like bend or something like that. Yeah. One of these tokens is well. There's there's uh there's different flavors of oracles, right? There's like completely yeah. decentralized. There's a trusted trusted source oracles. 
<clears throat> so it, it just depends on like what you need and how fast you need it and whether it needs to be the information has to be decentralized or not like it mm -hmm. just depends and then now we have <clears throat> governance tokens as well governance like protocols and models like for example cbdao it it's uh it's like a sandbox of governance tokens and different methods to govern a blockchain and like it with with cbdao it's it's the source you go to i mean <clears throat> at least that they're attempting to be the source you go to to see which are which happen to be the best tested governance models for any blockchain and so instead of from the ground up building a governance model just out of thin air from arbitrary like information you go to cbdao and see what has worked for other projects and you implement that system onto your own blockchain so like what are the metrics they use to determine like what's a successful DAO governance uh, well one, one of the metrics would be how often people participate in a vote oh yeah that's a big one right well we're experiencing this in decentraland like yeah. i'm sure there's been many votes where less than 20 percent of mana holders were voting on anything mm -hmm. i mean what's what's the incentive like <clears throat> i mean unless you own a bunch of mana and you're passionate about this vote that's coming up then you're going to stake your mana to vote but other than staking the vote, there's no reason to stake it. And so part of part of the reason why some of these companies are coming out with staking models is that once it's staked, you're earning some interest on that stake token, but on top of that, you can vote. So therefore you have more likely chance of voting because it's already staked. Now, is the time element to that staking important or not? Well, it just depends on how, how they implement it, but I would imagine yeah, I would prefer, like, if it were me designing, you know, who or determining who, like, wh which votes represent, um, like, uh, like, who do you want to have the most voting authority, you know? Yeah, but in, then that goes back to, that, that go, goes back to, like, a, go a governance model based on what you, what you're trying to govern. Like, I know from our perspective, we know enough about Decentraland to understand what we think is right in terms of a vote. <clears throat> and therefore, because we have so much experience in that, and I'm talking in relative terms, not saying that we have a lot of experience, but um, I, I feel like the the things that we say from a technical standpoint that Decentraland needs to focus on, like, for example, focusing on a developer's platform rather than anything else. Like, mm -hmm. we think that's what Decentraland should should be working on. And if there was a vote, that's how we would vote. And mm -hmm. and and our what we say should have more weight than a guy holding mana. I mean that's that's what we're saying. That's how it, that's how the voting should work in Decentraland if everything was perfect. How would you um, determine that? Why do you think we should? Uh, well, I know that's the problem. Is that well, why yeah. us? And yeah. you know, why should we have more weight than anybody else? And that's that's the that's the underlying issue. It's like we can't really pinpoint from a from a from a, an objective standpoint why us. I mean, other than if you want to go into like, well, we built a product, we moved so much mana, uh, and we moved more mana. Let's assume that we moved more mana than anybody else, just for the sake of the example. Mm -hmm. um, should that be the 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 governing like metric for having more weight versus somebody else? Maybe, maybe yeah. not. Maybe maybe it is for like you know business from a business perspective like if you're looking at a, a vote that has something to do with like running a business in decentraland then yeah maybe we have more more say than than other people do mm -hmm. but when it comes to maybe wearables we don't have any say yeah because we have no experience in that realm yeah. at least not yet 
Right. Yeah. So see, these are like super specific yeah. governance. But this is just an know. example of a governance model that needs to be built for Decentraland because they're building it themselves, dude. Decentraland mm-hmm. is building this model all by themselves. Now, of course, they're using existing technologies to execute, but nonetheless, mm-hmm. they're coming. They're coming up with this governance model on their own. They have to figure this out on their own. Now, with CBDAO, ideally, they could go to CBDAO and see what has worked, and and here's here's how we're going to do our governance model, and and you know add that to their pool of options for other companies to use, and see you know what ends up working and what doesn't. But I just don't understand how like these uh, like these proxy DAOs can somehow re- like adequately represent what's going on in Decentraland. You know, like an actual full fledged ecosystem with like a diverse economy and there's like tons of different SDK features that need to be accounted for when it comes to like governance decisions and stuff like that. There's no way you could replicate that. I don't know how the fuck these CB DAOs like. Well, from a metaverse standpoint, there are other metaverses like there's a new one. Um, have you have have you seen Ethverse? I've heard of it. Uh, Ethverse is my uh, um, Minecraft on the blockchain. Like literally, except it's not the actual Minecraft. Oh, uh, so it has nothing to do with Minecraft, right? I I don't think so, but it looks like it. <laughs> Shit. So, th- so is, what does that mean? It's like so, a, they had a well, land sale and everything. No, like, no. So I don't know. I haven't researched it because well, we're fucking. We to have up, to now to yeah. upstart. You know, uh, a world like this is just difficult. Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, anyway, the point is, is that there are going to be other metaverses who are trying to do a governance model. And without some sort of like uh, place to go and see what governance models have worked, you're just always all these companies. Every every time you start a blockchain, every single time you have to come up with your own governance model with, arbitrarily out of thin air. Mm-hmm. And so, so, so I, I sound like I'm I'm shilling CBDAO, but what I'm saying is, no, I'm we, trying to understand. I'm we, just trying to understand it. Like it see, sounds, we see important. a problem because we're in the problem. And mm-hmm. therefore, we see that CBDAO could be a solution because we see the problem inherently, like in, in the stuff that we do. Now, if you're not in Decentraland or if you're not in a in a in a community where there's governance is like actually important, you're not mm-hmm. gonna see the CBDAO token as valuable because you don't need it. You see what I'm saying? I just so what does the token actually do? <clears throat> like, uh, who's it rewarding? In well, so, so so I'm just giving an example of like having to see a problem firsthand and identifying a, something like Chainlink way before Chainlink oh, okay. explodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what yeah, I'm trying yeah, to say. Yeah. Now, if you want to go into CBDAO, we can go into it, but that's like a separate governance topic. Like it's like a whole separate yeah time. <laughs> but you're you're saying it's it's the first of its kind. Like they've identified an issue, which is this, yeah. this these DAOs. Yeah, and think about it. Just us talking about it, we know it's an issue. Every single yeah. every single blockchain has its own governance model. Every single one is completely different, and it's completely arbitrary. It's like and a lot of them have failed. And a sure. lot of them have failed. The yeah. Governance. And it's like, well, why should I only get th- these this amount of tokens by staking when this other blockchain is getting that amount of tokens? Like mm. all of it is completely arbitrary. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I just wonder how that interface is like. What's it gonna look like? Like, what are they displaying? Like, is yeah. it like a I don't know market marketplace of like DAO activity or like I don't know. Like, is there a volume of like DAO 
activity. Well, I or... think also, if I remember correctly, um, CB Dow also participates as a community member in all of the communities. So, like, if you own a CB Dow token, you can vote. I think in every single community that's connected to CB Dow. Mm. So you're incentivized to participate in these governance like voting mechanisms. Mm-hmm. So so Decentraland could theoretically like uh, partner with the CB Dow. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I just what does that do? I well, mean, it just increases the the chance of people voting. Okay, but it also it dilutes the value of each vote since. CB DAO token holders aren't necessarily running around Decentraland, right? Yeah. So again, this is just an example of yeah, why yeah, yeah. why everyone has to do their research. Mm-hmm. And especially if you're in a community like Decentraland, you inherently know its problems, right? One of them is governance. Um, obviously, another one is something unrelated to Decentraland, which is Ethereum transactions and fees, gas. So knowing this, use this as an example to go and research solutions that are being provided out there in the marketplace. And then if that if that solution is adequate enough, then, you know, it seems like a good good time to invest. Of course, not investment advice, but just like a strategy in terms of like how, how to think about this stuff. Yeah, I agree. See, it, this is like this it, is just pure um, fundamental yeah, fundamental analysis. research, yeah. And so then we go back to Polkadot. It's like, well, why are we looking to Polkadot now? It's like, well, <clears throat> we're looking to Polkadot now because so many blockchains are starting to use it. So it's like, well, mm-hmm. what, what is it? So Polkadot empowers blockchain networks to work together under the protection of shared security. Mm. So now if you, if now think about this. If you start your own blockchain and let's say it's a proof of work just because you decided to use proof of work, you could easily get a 51% attack for several years because your blockchain is not going to be big and bigger than, than Bitcoin or Ethereum, mm-hmm. right? So you can easily get a 51% attack and completely ruin your good product, let's say. Mm-hmm. And so using Polkadot, you can create this new product, this new blockchain, new service, whatever it is, and you don't have to depend on like securing your own network. How cool is that? Sounds super cool, dude. <laughs> so what do we do from here on out is the question, you know? Well, uh, I mean, obviously we're going to just do our own DD, like you say. Um, but as far as like, so, should we start reviewing all these Polkadot projects? Because, I mean, it's it's, it's going to be like sifting through garbage to find gems. Yeah. Know? But that's part of the, that's part of that's the part work. Of the process. Yeah. I mean, that's part of why you, even, you need to do yeah. it. Yeah. But even sometimes garbage is like valuable in this, you know, space. Yeah. In the sense, in the sense that it's going to have its moment, its shine, not based on like fundamental, um, <laughs> fundamental properties, more like pumpamental properties, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. that's like a whole class so, of, yeah, that's something, its, uh, that's something else to talk about. I mean, if, um, if you're, yeah, if well, you're in what, it to make money, then <laughs> you can invest in shit coins all day and probably make a ton of money. Yeah, you don't have to know a goddamn thing about the yeah. tech, honestly. Yeah, but it, is that something we wanted to like promote and like? Uh, well, that's the thing. It's it's really up to up to the listener, up to anyone who's listening or thinking about investing. It's like, but it's yeah. really it's up to us though, because like next the next time we do this, we could just literally just pull up a list of like polka dot tokens, just go down the list one by one, and just make a whole video on each one well yeah you know, uh, i think i think that's valuable just because you know in the next year or two we're everything's going to start going up and 
I, I don't know. It, if if you end up making money, like it depends on how you look at it. It's probably a good thing. Now, <laughs> if you ended up making money on Yam, for example, so yeah, Yam was a mistake. It wasn't a scam, I, I don't think. Yam crashed because they did a, a, a rebase and they ended up introducing like an octillion amount of tokens into their, their circulation. Mm. And so, and it, and the value went to zero, right? Almost instantly within 10 minutes, it went from like 150 bucks to like almost $0 in 10 minutes. Ouch. So wrecked, dude, whoever is in that one. Yeah. Feel bad for you. But some people, <laughs> it, but it started off at like at 15 bucks and it went to like 150 within a day or so or two days. Yeah. And so some people made some money, right? Some, some people sold at $150. Yeah, I don't know if uh, Yam like introduced the concept of yield farming or not. I don't think it did. I don't but think it definitely, so. It definitely like rode that coattail of that trending buzzword within the DeFi space, like yield farming. Yeah, you know, which like, is these, odd. These... I mean, yield farming is just staking your tokens. Yeah, they make it sound way cooler though. Yeah, the, it's... <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. They came up with a nice sexy word yeah marketing term yeah yield farming is like man this is like you gotta get in on this yeah i mean yeah because you you buy a bunch of tokens and then you use an interface to stake your maker dow or your compound or whatever you stake it and then now you're yield farming as if as if that is going to generate you more money than like gambling it on a on a on another coin that's right but now it makes sense for the person that has a hundred bitcoins, and if you could yield farm Bitcoin, then hell yeah, that's what I would do all day. Mm-hmm. Like if I can make you know fifty grand on yield farming a year with Bitcoin because I have a hundred of them, then you know why not? You're signing up. You're hell signing yeah. that dotted line. Especially sure. if it's completely decentralized, and I'm always in control of my hundred staked Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Dude, I'm down ninety nine, man. That's right. Well, that is the exit strategy, so. Well, yeah, that is. <laughs> but I mean, but these are if we're going to become these pump mental guys, then we have to keep looking for all these emerging buzzwords and these trendy topics of discussion, right? Um, or do we focus on the tech? You know, I mean, well, I mean, if we focused on the tech, we would have found Chainlink back in the day, and we would have invested because we we would have understood and yeah. and. It would have netted a, a positive gain for us ha- had we held, right? Because we yeah. did hold um, Chainlink tokens in the past. We did. But I, I mostly did off purely off of hype. I literally still don't understand what Chainlink does. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I get the gist, obviously. Yeah. We've had those discussions, but it's like... Well, I mean, I'm yeah. looking at Chainlink in polkadotproject.com, and Chainlink's right there. And it yeah. says, well, it has a long description... But Chainlink is a decentralized Oracle network that enables smart contracts to securely access off-chain data feeds, web yeah, APIs, and traditional bank payments. Yep. I mean, I, I knew that. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's literally the uh, yep. limits of my understanding. But that's the thing, the, is the if you only know that, it's not enough to make an investment in Chainlink. Mm-hmm. Because you look at this and be like, who needs this? Yeah. Right? Well, well all that's, smart that's contract how, developers need this. That's how the majority of people thought back then. And whenever this, like in 2017, 2018, you know, because that wasn't the, the the trending topic at the time. Yeah. You know? Or nobody understood the need for oracles. Like at, at the time, we were still fixated on the scaling issues of yeah. Ethereum, you know. 
So. See, but we go back. Yeah, scaling is definitely an issue, but it's no matter what, it's always going to be an issue. Mm-hmm. You do a million transactions per second, somebody's going to clog the network doing some yeah. something stupid, right? Another game, yeah. another game is going to clog a million transactions per second. Mm-hmm. So then, then what do you do? Then you complain about a million transactions per second not being enough. And then what do you do? Two million, ten million. It's it's always going to be a, a a scaling issue. Remember we talked about it in our last podcast. Is that even centralized services from IBM and AWS and all these web services, these service providers, they still go down when there's a lot of traffic on somebody's website. Yeah. But regardless, like all you have to do is make that claim, and um, it's sufficient. To, uh, like you said, if you're just trying to make money in this market, yeah, like the claims sometimes are, <clears throat> you know, good enough. But, yeah, but yeah. Like currently, the polka dot is what has my most attention. Um, it's an unfortunate name. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm not really sure what the purpose of the polka dot is. Like why they <laughs> chose that name, but. I don't know. Maybe they just thought like it's such an awesome project. Like who gives a fuck? Like when they were thinking, yeah. what's the name of this thing? They're just like, dude, just call it polka dot. Who cares? <laughs> just like it. Maybe to discourage like uh, early FOMO or something. Because like for a project this big, I think like they're just now listing on Binance. You know? Yeah. But I think they ICO'd like three years ago. Yeah. Yeah. In so, 2017. Like, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, they raised I mean, like 40 million. 40 million. Yeah, but like you compare that to a project like EOS, like four billion, four billion. They had a year long ICO and they were on Binance pretty much the whole fucking time. Like you know, like that's true, man. That's a good distinction. Yeah, it's like so, like, uh, like Polkadot is. In, I mean, I'm sure they would have no problem getting listed on Binance three years ago. Yeah, but why? Why weren't they? Why haven't they? Why are they just now? You know targeting they, these major exchanges like yeah, were they intentionally they, trying to go like and they su- just released their token too yeah like yesterday yeah so well, i mean is that like a buy signal i don't fucking know dude <laughs> well, i would i would think so i mean yeah this is a, think, as ground as it is it's gonna get for polka dot i would think so too i mean i mean yeah and, right and this is just us like talking and thinking out loud because as much as you can do research, you'd never feel comfortable. Like you, you never feel like, oh, this is a home run and but it's gonna take three years before it like skyrockets. Like you yeah. never you never know. Like does it make sense to stake your money in a project that's gonna take three years to skyrocket? For most people, that would be a no. But then again, Bitcoin's a it's an eleven year old project and it's still going. Yeah, I don't think you have to I don't think we have to wait three years for anything at this point well maybe not not right now yeah because we're at the beginning of the bull phase potentially i mean potentially we'll yeah. see we'll see i mean what confirms I mean, it? a fifteen thousand dollar bitcoin i mean new all-time high bitcoin i think <clears throat> damn that's that's gonna take a little a little bit more time i'd say about probably another year another year eight months to a year but i'm not i'm not in any rush dude <laughs> I just wonder if this whole DeFi movement can uh, sustain until then. You know. Yeah, and part of this, part of this, like going through this, like in for for you, really the second round of like a, a bull market is understanding or being vigilant, always knowing exactly what's going on in terms of what the the pulse of the market is doing. Like right oh, yeah. now, 
I don't. I wouldn't say a lot of people are talking about Polkadot, but it isn't an obvious thing right now. Like Ethereum is obvious, or Bitcoin is obvious. Oh yeah, that's the way it's supposed to go down, though. Yeah. You know. Yeah, if you're paying attention and you know you you recognize the potential for this thing. Yeah. That's that's your entry point. You know, if you're, if you're looking to make a smart investment, you know. <clears throat> But <clears throat> yeah, and if if uh, if you go to pools.fyi, mm-hmm. you'll see all the different Uniswap tokens that are having a ton of volume in the last 24 mm-hmm. hours. So that that is a good enough indicator for you to do research on that particular token as well. Yeah, because, we're gonna have to do that. Yeah, at least, like make and that, some videos. And that. that's like a what do you call it, like a routine that you should do, like probably starting from today. So every day, just look at what the volume is for these tokens on Uniswap and just see what, what they're about. Yeah, dude. Let's do that. We're, let's create like a template of, of a shit to break down for each of these projects. And um, I'll put them down on my, my nifty whiteboard here yeah. like from now on. <laughs> I'll buy a new set of markers and like we're just going to run down like a checklist of like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like. That way we, we have a log of like our own DD and maybe it'll be helpful to people who want to understand the process i mean we're not saying we're experts yeah do, do you want to are you talking about making this public or because we already started a notion document well yeah that's what stuff. i'm saying like like if, if let's say in the future we want to feature something we're interested in which most likely will be like a polka dot project right yeah then we could just break it down live on air <laughs> for the world to see what do you think oh i say yeah 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 for sure like yeah. well the first one we have to do is polka dot just by itself like what Let's is it? That. Why are so many people using it? What what's what are the implications of of having these blockchains communicate with each other? Which is mm-hmm. a which should be kind of a dumb question. I mean, it's it's vastly important. Imagine mm-hmm. staking your Bitcoin and earning interest on your Bitcoin without having to trust a centralized service cuz some services do allow you to earn interest on BTC, but you got to trust these guys. And yeah, see, it's tough to like weed through these projects these days because <clears throat> All of them are aware of like what the market is looking out for as far as like back in 2017, it was, it was like you had these, these fundamental, uh, I don't know, like, yeah, attributes per project that you would like check off the list in order to kind of like prioritize which ones you wanted to invest in at the time. Yeah. Or which one you expected to perform best out of like a pool of ICOs coming up, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so you could literally just put down like like you analyze the team, you analyze the uh, the tokenomics of it, like how many like the percentage of the tokens going to the team as opposed to how much is left to the public, things like that, like little variables. Yeah, you know? that's true. The tokenomics they they do affect because like if a tokenomics document told you that they were going to release like fifty million new tokens for the team tomorrow, yeah. you would yeah. expect the price to go down. Yeah, a lot of these, a lot of projects these days are they're different. You know, back then it was like because no one was aware of like the repercussions of that model yeah, yeah. back then. But but now we're like a little more educated and we expect different things. Yeah, like we expect like like funding locks and shit like that for teams these days. Like like a team can't unlock their funds for like a couple of years down the line. It's like an incentive for them to actually build a product, things like that. Yeah, you know, like stuff that didn't really exist like like that in 2017. But if you were to break down individual projects, I think that's a pretty important metric you'd want to look at. Yeah, you know, exactly. 
whether or not a team is following these like expected that's true. Like, that's true. You know, if if a team had access to fifty million tokens of their their project mm-hmm. and they had full access to it and they can spend that money whenever they wanted to, um, that was probably I, more common in twenty seventeen than it is now, where you could lock up some of those funds. Exactly. Yeah. So, it, like, if I were creating like a but but here's the thing, I man, where mm-hmm. the technical aspect to this comes into play. If if you're technical enough, you can go and verify these cl- claims on the smart contract. If you mm. just read their medium post that they're saying that they're locking up 50 million tokens for the next 10 years for their team, mm. that's not good enough, right? A medium article, they, these guys are <coughs> scammers and saying these things and saying mm. we're locking it up when they're not. So then you're saying <clears throat> another metric needs to be like an actual technical verification. Yeah, there you go. Technical. So what is that? Like going but even into then, their GitHub repo or something? Yeah, basically. But if, if you want to go that deep, you'll have to read the contract yourself. But... But because we're on the internet, there are several technical people who are doing this due diligence and probably writing their own Medium article, whether or not uh, verifying these claims. So what I'm saying is just Google it. Mm. But yeah, that has to be, I mean, this has to be verified. I mean, if you go look at Chico Crypto, he actually goes into the test network like Kusama Mm -hmm. and, and looks at all the projects that are in Kusama and goes and finds Medium articles about these different projects and, and and actually test these on the Kusama network. Is that something we could look at right now? Just real quickly. Um, well, what do you want well, to see exactly? Well, exactly what you just described. You said Kusama. Yeah. Uh, what is it? So, What's so the... Kusama is, is uh, I have it right here. Kusama.io or what? Uh, no. Uh, Kusama. No. It's Kusama.network. But Kusama is an early, unaudited, and unrefined release of Polkadot. <clears throat> yeah. Kusama will serve as a proving ground, allowing teams and developers to build and deploy a parachain or try out Polkadot's governance, staking, nomination, validation, functionality in a real environment. So remember how, just uh, just to give some parallels, in Decentraland, you have this preview of your mm-hmm. build, but then you have yeah. the actual deployment in Decentraland. The preview mm-hmm. and the deployment are not exactly the same. There are some glitches and differences between the two. Mm-hmm. So to give you a parallel, um, an analogy is that Kusama is Decentraland for real, but it's just a test network. Mm-hmm. So if you wanted to try out your build for real and, and see what it's actually going to look like in, in the real Decentraland, well, you deploy it in Kusama's Decentraland, and then there you go. You, you get to actually play and test and, and do all that stuff without deploying in real life. Mm. So what's the purpose of that? Obviously, for Decentraland, there's there's no real inherent purpose. But for other projects that are staking somebody else's money, you you need to test and retest on a live network. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think yeah, that for sure has to be part of your DD. <laughs> if so, you're looking for like truly yeah, for like DeFi, projects. yeah, DeFi tokens that are like legit. They, yeah, it, I mean, especially in Polkadot, they better be on Kusama. They better be you know have a functioning product on there. And and even better if they haven't launched, then you're definitely on on the ground floor. Hmm. So are we gonna break that down from now on or nah? <laughs> no, yeah, I think we should. Okay. But it's like my question is, you know, what's the method where we break this down? Like, is it gonna yeah. be a web page? Is it gonna be a blog post? Uh, are we gonna make our notion public for these research the stuff that we research? I guess we could. I mean, why not? Or we could just translate it into video format, all right? That's the most widely digested. Thing, yeah, like absolutely. what we're doing right now oh absolutely yeah you know what that's that's a good plan because 
let's say, like, for example, we pick Polkadot and we do a ton of research. We have all the links, all that stuff. We put it on Notion. And then for our next podcast, we just run through everything we've discovered. That way we have like a full explanation of what Polkadot is, why it's important and how it, it actually makes things better. And uh, and then we just talk about it on the podcast. I like that idea. So it's, it's I mean, so this is definitely not going to be financial advice because if it was, we'd have to be much more timely, meaning like like daily updates because this market moves so ridiculously fast you don't have time to really yeah. sit around and wait like if you're trying to catch price spikes like yeah. that's not what we're gonna do yeah. we're actually gonna look for like technological gems yeah in the, yeah so. we're, we're i think it, it's a more prudent exercise to find the next chain link i mean i'm not talking about find the next oracle but find the next yeah, yeah, valuable yeah. Te technological resource for for the blockchain space I think yeah. that's more important than like, because if, if, if these projects like actual have a, a value, they're going to increase in, in price anyways. You're right. So, so we'll do that in tandem with what we're already doing with uh, Decentraland and yeah, for sure. Uh, the yeah. Blockchain. I mean, this, this goes Gaming to the space. roots, roots of the podcast. I mean, yeah, uh, this, this is not a Decentraland podcast. We have a Decentraland product for sure, but I mean, there's there's a ton of things to talk about. Like we 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 don't have enough time to like really go over everything, mm -hmm. and like all this stuff is interesting. Like, yeah, it is. Like we haven't even talked about Energy Web Foundation, the Energy Web Token, and that in itself is like a several podcasts worthy of discussions. Let's do it, dude. I'm down. So so yeah. So here's the. Uh, I'm down to here's go the, balls deep into this world, dude. Like, let's <laughs> let's do it. So here's the rundown. I think we should talk about Polkadot, and then we talk about Energy Web Foundation. Those okay. are the two things that I see most consistently about everything. Okay. Yeah, we'll we'll do that. We'll start there, uh, and then we'll make updates, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And then, <laughs> Along the way. Yeah, for sure. But all right. I mean, uh, I think that covers today's podcast i mean we've been, yeah we've been talking for an hour it's like a re-intro into DeFi, pretty much yeah re-immersing ourselves slowly into this world you know um but for sure we did call this what we didn't call was the <laughs> fact that we we're gonna have speculative tokens connected to DeFi. yeah so we missed like the boat on all of them <laughs> basically <laughs> you know uh it's it's life dude it's whatever Hey, but you know we're not that late though. It's not like it's not like this is year twenty twenty two where we completely missed the the bull cycle. Yeah, and we're like missing every shot that we took because we're not focusing on the right like sector of blockchain. Yeah, I agree. There's still lots of time. So yeah, everyone listening, you guys are earlier than you think. You yeah, know? for sure. No, nothing to worry about. For sure. And don't get like anxious thinking like you're running out of time to like. You know, yeah, don't FOMO in. Yeah, don't FOMO yeah. in because you're, yeah. you're going to get wrecked. So, Exactly. But yeah, so make sure you follow us at The Block Runner and also at Metazone.io on Twitter. Uh, like and, and subscribe on their YouTube channel. And we want to do it. Man, we, we're going to try to do this more often, man. Like once a week is, is not it's not cutting, especially with like all this craze. Calm down, dude. I got the fucking whiteboard, dude. I'm waiting for you. <laughs> <laughs> We could do it after your Ethermon meeting, dude. Just let's break something down. Okay, like, yeah, okay. let's do that. Let's do that. Okay. Actually, a little after because I got to take a power nap. But 
<laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's a good point. It's all right. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna produce more content, dude, for sure. This is our content or part of it. So let's do it. I'm down. Oh, you know what? <laughs> um, so so David, he said I thought it would be on the East Coast, but by now, but I'm on still on the West Coast, 1 p.m. Eastern. Oh, he he still wants to talk today at 12 o'clock Central. Oh um, man! <clears throat> no, let's maybe if we can reschedule it till tomorrow. Um, tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Oof. Yeah, let me let me uh, confirm some things first. Yeah, sure, before. sure. Yeah. So yeah, this is like logistics talk right now at the end of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, something. <clears throat> yeah, we were supposed to have an interview, but yeah, so uh, like time conflicts. That's right. So we're we're readjusting. Yeah. But, Anyways. but anyway, yeah, so thank you guys for listening, and uh, hopefully we'll see you more often than every single week, but uh, we'll see. All right, thanks, guys. All right, guys. See you there. Thank you for listening to the Blockrunner podcast. Make sure you visit our website, theblockrunner.com, and sign up to stay up to date on the latest in crypto. Also, reach out to us on Twitter, at TheBlockRunner.